Hello. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Wasn't expecting the accent, but Gavin, there's a lot of French being thrown around in these boxes. Yeah, yeah so. I, have my, I have my TFT England shirt on today. <laughs> yeah. Hey, y'all. I am Cassandra Cousineau, your girl, the Sports Nista. And if it's Thursday, I'm joined by my partner in time, Ramblin' Ralph Velez. Hey, Ralph, what's happening? What's going yeah, on, yo, man? We have your people we have, streets doing stuff. Listen, we got all kinds of stuff. I was having a normal boxing day until the Mayweather Paul <laughs> press conference happened. Uh, so that kind of threw me off track. But uh, I was very excited uh, to come on today because we have somebody that uh, that I got to work with uh, in the ring uh, at one point, and I met her for two minutes, and she was just the most unbelievable human being that I ever met. So I am so glad to have her here, uh, and I'm excited. What about you? How's your week? Hey. Um, you know what? Week has been good, but also, you know, ending it on a really powerful note like you. I'm very excited to have uh, Jill Diamond join us. And, and later on in the hour, we got um, Henry Ramirez. Uh, so yes. that's going to be interesting to get to talk some Chris Ariola. <laughs> but uh, what had happened was uh, with that. <laughs> so without further ado, let's bring out Miss Jill. Ladies and gentlemen. The 2010 WBC Woman of the Year and representing World Boxing Care, Jill Tarman. Bring her in here. Hey, bring her out, bring her out. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. I'm so pleased to be here and I want to give a shout out to Zena, my angel underground, who introduced me to Cassandra. So awesome. she cannot go unnoticed. I have to meet this Listen. individual. CC cannot stop work. talking about this lady. I've never met Zena. I just know that she's amazing, <laughs> but I've never met her. Nobody's ever met her. She truly is an angel. That's awesome. She absolutely, absolutely incredibly important to me, and I'm so happy that we got you here. I am too. I am too. And your opening blew me away. I was like, whoa, ready to go out there in the ring. That's a uh, I had more. I had more, but we only have... Our show's only an hour. I, I could have kept going. You have a, you have like a rap sheet of achievements. It's it's unbelievable, uh, the things that you've done, and we're gonna get into that. But welcome to the show. We're very happy to have you. I meant the opening of your show, not oh, my our intro. Uh, the music. Our intro. Oh yeah, it was fabulous. Oh, it's uh, isn't it amazing. I've got to thank Jeremy yeah. for hooking that up. That's some. That's pretty awesome. Definitely. Thanks, Jeremy Long, for uh, uh, for the production skills on that one. So we have Jill Diamond joining us now. I mean, we can introduce you as the international chair of WBC Cares. You are also part of the uh, National uh, Caucus for uh, Mental Health Awareness. You are a multiple Emmy Award winner, um, a rainmaker in the boxing community as well. All of those titles. What's your favorite thing to do? My favorite thing to do? God, I, I couldn't single out one thing. You mean of the things you you mentioned, my favorite thing? I'll tell sure, you. Or you know, there my, might be some other things I have a feeling. You know, I think that boxing came to me later in life. My father-in-law was a boxer, quite a substantial boxer. I was raised on music. I never, never lose my love of music. I started with Motown, and I have to say that 
give me a backbeat and it'll just turn my soul on. But I love boxing. I love the athletes. There's nothing like walking into an arena. It just gets all the juices going. Uh, I hope to know that again someday. <laughs> but my, my favorite thing I have to say is truthfully always being surprised that there's always someone new and amazing to meet. That life is always stimulating and engaging and that with all the horror that's going on in the world right now, there are equally beautiful things going on. And it gets me up out of bed every day. And for the last year, there's always that one phone call, that one person, that one unbelievable, unbelievable miracle that happens. And that's that's my favorite thing to do, is to get that call or yeah. that email. Cece, uh, you know what's- involved with it. Go ahead, go ahead, Cece, go ahead. Tim, you're heavily involved with WBC Cares. Can you tell us about how you got involved there and uh, what does WBC Cares actually do? What happened, I, I'll give you the short story. In 2005, I went to my first WBC convention. I ended up there without my luggage. So here I was in a room with 3,000 people and no clothing at all except for what I had worn on the plane. I had been invited there because um, I had started boxing and met a lot of women who were unrepresentative. So I was going there to plead their cause. Where are the women? That's what got me into boxing. So by the end of the day, um, in this very strange place, and I had recently lost my husband. So I was in this very strange place with all of these people that I'd never met in a different country. And by the end of the day, I had a full wardrobe of clothing. People kept looking at me, coming up to me, what's the matter here? These shoes might fit you. These pants might fit you. I am not exaggerating at all. And then the next day I walked into the auditorium where all these people were, and I'd never seen such a diverse group of people in my life. Every nation, every color, every creed, every background, wealthy people, poor people, people in their native dress. And I thought, they are the world. This is like the most amazing thing. And what an opportunity for networking to do good in this world. I mean, it's unbelievable. So Mauricio and Jose were always involved in charitable things. So I proposed them the idea of WBC Cares and they went for it. So that's how it started. It was a very natural outgrowth of who we are because athletes, particular boxers, have always been generous of heart. All we've done is given them a platform because that's what people are missing. People want to basically do good, but they don't have the platform. So the World Boxing Council, which is in 170 nations, has that platform. So now I have 15 chapters all over the world, many, many ambassadors like the beautiful I got my back. <laughs> I got my own back will be on your show. Um, it's, it's just been it's been beautiful to watch. And many, many athletes also have their own passionate causes that they're involved in, so we try to support them. So it was a grassroots that kind of grew and just built and felt natural. And the Boxing Council now has many, many other different kinds of charitable works that they do too, and they're always, always supportive. It's, it's a blessing. It's truly a blessing. Jill, I want to talk to you about how all the things that you've done has brought you here to be able to 
utilize everything. I mean, you start on Broadway. I mean, I had to write this stuff down because I could not believe the the, the facets of the world that you've actually have have uh, experienced and accomplished. I mean, people try their whole lives to get on Broadway and they just cannot. You've done that. Uh, people grow up wanting to be a part of Motown. It, it is embraced in not only our our culture growing up, but in generations past. Right, Motown is. You say Motown, everybody knows what Motown Records is. You've been a part of that. You were involved in television. You were doing uh, music and sound effects uh, for companies and and departments. Uh, Procter and Gamble, the ESPN, Disney stuff. I just, it, it's just amazing how you take all these different things, and some people can't even master one of them. Let alone you've done three separate entities that had to do with entertainment. And I see you guys kind of gelling to bring this. I myself talk to CC all the time. When I got into this business as a fan. Uh, and then on the backside of it, I saw that there's severe things lacking for these athletes. There, the insurance thing for me was a major league issue for me. And I tried to myself get partnered with somebody and get a big, broad insurance policy for all these guys. And it is so difficult. Can you tell us what these fighters are going through as far as being able to trust? I mean, their whole life, they're growing up. Uh, having to work two or three jobs, having to support maybe children that they have, and it almost becomes impossible to have a separate life other than boxing. What is the common denominator here? What can we as a whole collective group help with? Because it seems like every time somebody steps up and says, okay, I want to get insurance for these guys, or I want to you know, do a, a, a product for these guys, it always seems to fall by the wayside. I mean, what what do you think is a common denominator here and what can we do collectively? That is quite a question. You know, it's, it's, it's not just boxers, it's people in all freelance professions. You're dealing with a global group. You're dealing with many, many stratas of who controls. It's like the WBC, we don't own our boxers. Mm -hmm. um, but I tried to do the same thing that you did. I actually went to the Screen Actors Guild, which also deals with freelancers, and tried right. to build something that patterns after that. Unless you can get the promoters on board, the managers on board, it's, it's very, very difficult to do. Now, what the WBC did is they did start a the Jose Suleiman Fund, which is run by the group in Las Vegas, which is a fund for needy boxers and any boxer, not just people who are WBC boxers can apply for a scholarship and they give away, in the last two years, they've raised a million dollars that has gone directly wow. to boxers to pay medical bills, to pay you know, houses, houses from being foreclosed, but it's not enough. Of course, it's not enough. Um, I wish I could solve that problem. I can solve that problem. It's, it's like the tail flapping the dragon. The one thing that we're working on now, though, is um, a boxer's engagement fund. We brought in someone named Corey Haynes, and what he's building together, we're building a whole thing on transitioning, starting from amateurs to people in the ring and retiring from the ring. Things that will teach them how to use their skills later in life, money management, um, how to talk to the public. I mean, it's going to be a huge workshop that I'm hoping will become popular because the best thing we can do is 
forget about boxing is educate people in general on how to plan their life and knowing as a boxer you have a shelf life there's going to be most yeah, of you that you won't be in the ring i'm sorry cassandra no i think that's a phenomenal thing to do i know that other leagues do it the nba for instance is probably doing yes. the best job at bringing in rookies and actually explaining to them things like financial literacy for instance i know that ralph actually spent a lot of his time trying to educate boxers on real estate so um knock knock on ralph's door to come in there and actually talk about um, getting involved in investing because when they get that first bag, the first thing we see is a car, you know, jewelry, a trip, and not necessarily an investment in the long term. Absolutely yeah, right. And it doesn't matter if you're a boxer or a dancer or an actor, you get that first big check and you think that every check is going to be like that. So Ralph, we're going to call on you because we have this broken down into seminars and workshops and on ongoing mentor programs. It's the best that we can do at this time, but- um, Awesome, we awesome. We, we have two fighters right now that I want to give a shout out to that are doing- Ralph, Ralph froze for a second. Let's see if we can get him back. <laughs> there you are. It's all his passion. It just froze the. It just froze the screen. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it, Jill. You know what's so crazy about that? Uh, I've got two fighters right now that I've been bragging to everybody about. Thomas Delorme, who just fought this sure. kid. As soon as he got his check, okay, Ralph, I'm ready to buy my house now. I'm ready to do Airbnbs. I'm ready to invest. I'm. I he he's he's probably the only one that understands. Hey, I only have like five more fights max that that I'm done. Another kid, David Benavides, who. A lot of people think he's just a buck wild kid. No, this kid owns four houses now because right. he gets it. He understands, hey, I need to invest my money, not in a Bugatti, in real estate, in duplexes, so I don't have to fight until I'm 40. Joe, I have another thing too that we're gonna talk about offline that I really wanna help you guys with. I really, I'm just excited for you guys. I am so thrilled that you are actually taking initiative because Joe, I know how hard it is to speak to these guys. I know that they're being pulled every which way, managers, managers, friends, my cousins, hey, give me a half a meal. Let's invest in this product. And then it never comes to fruition. I, I get it. And I, I'm really just want to applaud. Like the, I got my own back guy. That kid was living in, in a van and, and he's an inspiration to me. I tell, I just told him yesterday, I messaged him. I said, you know what? You know, you're over here doing a photo shoot and you're, you're putting Canelo's, you're putting clothes on Canelo's back, like literally on his back. And you were in a van a few years ago. Like, think how awesome that is, right, Jill? That's I, amazing. I'm, I'm bringing with, I'm bringing him with me to Biloxi um, next week to speak to 500 amateurs. Very That's cool. That's another way we do it. We send these people into gyms, into amateur shows, and let them speak. Because this is the one thing I found. It was very hard getting care started because no one wanted us. The first visit we did was to Children's Hospital. And they said, no, we don't want boxers here. I know they thought they were going to beat up kids or something. They had football players, they had hockey players. Anyway, we went into Children's Hospital with uh, Gennaro Hernandez, God bless him, awesome. and uh, Eric Morales. And it was, they said, the best visit. but. The point is that we bring the one thing you find about boxers when they speak to children, whether it's in a hospital or at a gym or, or we go into schools, they are authentic. 
the kids mm -hmm. will look at some rich, you know, ritzy uh, million dollar football player and go, oh, that's so cool. But when the boxers speak, they listen because these are guys who live down the block, who made something of their lives that they identify with and they tell them the truth. There's nothing more effective than bringing these guys into these places and have them speak the truth to kids. And it, it, it's- Every fight has a story to tell. They all, and they tell it, and they tell it honestly. And the kids get, they get that they're being honest. So it has effect. And it's, 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 it's amazing to be around. It's, it's breathtaking to be around, really. Now you spent part of your day actually doing some heavy lifting, um, as I mentioned at the top of the show. So we're speaking with Jill Diamond, who's got a whole bunch of titles. Uh, you may know her as uh, the international chair for WBC Cares, but Jill, you're also heavily involved in mental health awareness and uh, working actually with Congress, not just bringing awareness, but bringing resources. Can you tell me what it was like uh, and actually why that's into you? Because I know that I've said every boxer has a story. You have a story too. And the reason why you're involved. I do. And I have to say that I was introduced to these people by Mia St. John who of course also has a story, but she was my liaison and I'll always thank her for that. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in in a very violent home. I mean, it, I grew up with a year, I'm being a little bit older than you guys, at a time when mental illness or brain wellness, whatever people want to call it now, was misdiagnosed. There was no real help for families. There was no help for people. There was no medication. There was no, uh, there was nothing that we have today. Not that we have enough, but we really had nothing back then. My brother was violent. Um, my parents also happened to have been blind. So it was a very difficult circumstance. Um, he was, he lived a tortured life and died in an institution. I grew up basically visiting him and walked out of that house, like many people who grew up from those circumstances, with many issues of my own, most obviously anxiety. Because when you grow up in an unstable house, and it doesn't matter if it's physically abusive or emotionally abusive, you never know when the next shoe is going to fall. So you're always walking around a little bit like that. Um, and then you make choices in your life. And this I strongly believe in. I mean, you either run towards the fire or you run away from it. And the choice in my life was to take responsibility, to feel the feelings, but not lay them on other people. It took a lot of work to get to that point that you don't come home and kick the dog. It's a very difficult transition to sometimes to go through. But of course, it, it, it got me involved with, I became a therapist and I became a hypnotherapist. And I just was so curious about how these things happen and how they affect people. And hopefully it's given me a little bit of insight, but it's a process, it's a constant process. I mean, we're all involved in it. And I think the biggest step for me in my life was to feel the feelings, put them on paper and not hit send. That was the big epiphany for me. You can think That's anything- grown up stuff there. That is grown up stuff. I need to learn how to do that. I get sad, but I regret it afterwards. You know what it is? I'll tell you what I found it is. You got to learn how to live with discomfort. Everyone thinks of drama. Everyone has a dramatic story. Everybody has lived through drama. But the most 
to me, the path to growth is simply living with discomfort. It's like giving up smoking every day of your life. You have those feelings, you don't indulge them. The next day you have them, they're a little bit less, you don't indulge them and you diminish. They diminish, they diminish till the bad habit disappears, the good habit takes its place. The good addiction replaces the bad addiction, but you have to be able to live with the discomfort of doing what's comfortable because even if you come from a horrible background, it's home to you. And that's your and that's your comfort food. You have to move away from that comfortable zone. Hard. Are you are you and the organizations you work with seeing more incidents of anxiety and isolation, depression as a result of the pandemic? And are there more resources available, especially for boxers um, who yeah. are more isolated than anybody? Because you didn't even have training partners for a certain part of it. The Generally across the board, the spike in suicide and, and addiction, uh, domestic violence, child abuse spiked. I mean, you have to remember that we didn't work out our issues when everybody was locked down together. So, um, yes, and among athletes, very, very serious. Remember, to me, I always say that an athlete's life one year is like a dog's life because you have, you know, just a limited time, uh, a limited amount of time to be as good as you are at your best. It's, it's a horrifying thing. So, yeah, it's it, it, the suicide rate. The depression rate has gotten so bad that even the Athletic Commission in California put out a tape on suicide using athletes and, and put out some 800 numbers. Um, there's definitely been a spike. There's going to be a lot of uh, post-stress after this goes down. Um, as far as I will give you some numbers that people can call, I think the most important thing is to stay connected. And what the WBC has tried to do during this time with WBC Talks, we put on shows every single day, both in English and in Spanish, for about three or four months, just to keep the community connected. Just so people would have a focus, they'd know at one o'clock there'd be some boxing show, not fighting, but talk shows about the different things going on in boxing, things going on in the community, that we have to stay connected to each other. I mean, to me, the important things in life is purpose, community, and structure. We need to stay connected to each other. Even if it's one person, you have to reach out to that one person, you know. But yes, there are numbers to call for extreme cases, but call someone, call anyone. Just let them know that there's a voice on the phone, that, that you're there for them. Anyone, your grocer, your aunt, the kid down the street. It helps. It really helps so much because we all want to be listened to. Everyone feels ignored now, you know, ignored and, and their feelings are disavowed. You have to do it. You just have to reach out. Jill, do you think that unionizing the sport of boxing somehow would eliminate a lot of the problems that we're having? We're starting to get some record site fees here and $150 million so-called site fee for a Fury uh, Joshua fight in another country does nothing to help a boxer who's 8-0 starving in Phoenix, Arizona. Do you think we can attach the two and maybe be able to help other people, other fighters who are starving, who have two kids, are 4-0 and know nothing but boxing because he's been fighting since the amateurs at five, uh, since five years old. Do you think unionizing boxing would help 
solve these problems? You know, it's been attempted. Um, and it, and of course, again, it's not just boxing. I, I found the worst are the tennis stars who are like singular athletes taking around since they're kids. And then at 20, 21, they're not going to be stars. They're just dropped and they have zero social skills. That's right. But unionizing is, is difficult only because again, it's a global sport. There's so many cultures, there's so many elements. Uh, it's, it's possible getting money from each fight. We've tried it. I love the idea that a, a dollar from a fight, a dollar, a dollar a ticket. Why can't that happen? But again, Absolutely. you're going to get people who are not necessarily have the same agenda. I mean, again, promoters have expenses that we don't see too. I don't want to lay it on them. Yeah. Um, but I think we could start one way to start would by making like the commissions around the world, even the commissions in the United States, unified. Their rules, everywhere you go, the rules are different. The, everything is different. It's different. There's no unification. I don't think there's anything wrong with even having a United States regulatory, each place having a regulatory, having a UN of boxing. We have yes. to start for me, by unifying what the rules are. And, and if you can't do that in the United States, how are you going to do it with, with some guy in South Africa and then you're going to Nigeria? I mean, then you're going to, you know, Panama. I mean, there's so many different cultures and people that you're dealing with. But I think the first thing is to organize on the most basic level, which is to get the rules of the different states and countries to be one, to be one. And then... I don't know. I truly, I wish I had the answer. I don't know. But they did it with the actors. They can do it with the boxers. I mean, absolutely. That's a very fair and I think rational way uh, to look at it. Um, boxing still has some way to go, but there is an area where I think that we've made progress and so much so probably in the last 12 to 18 months and ever, and that's in women's boxing. Um, we've had some of the most exciting women's fights uh, probably in the history of the sport. And we have women in multiple weight classes who are carrying the marketing message. Of course, Clarissa Shields, Amanda Serrano, uh, Katie, Katie Taylor, Ebony is doing her thing as well. What do you think about the state of women's boxing and what's kind of the next thing that we tackle? I think that we have seen some of the best women fights. I th it's thrilling. Not only that we're seeing the fights is that when I started, women's boxing wasn't really sanctioned by the big belts. And the first one, I think, was 2000, somewhere around 2006, or no, a little later than that, that a woman actually was on pay-per-view. Um, now, I mean, there was a time way, way, way back when there were women on TV, but then they wiped the board and they had to start all over again. So now we have women headlining. It's not just that we're seeing great fights. They are the draw. They are. And, then, and, and that's amazing. The problem to me with women boxing, as the women get more and more skilled, the trainers get more involved with them, more of them are headlining, but there's very little middle class. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see a card that has eight fights and one woman headlining the fight. Where are the two or three other fights? That's and you know, part of that is the pandemic, you know, because there's a limitation, and the and the men have the same problem. There's a limitation as to how many people are going to fight. But we have to see the women's fights, not just the headliners, 
but to integrate that middle class of boxing onto those cards too. I mean, right now, PBC does not even have any women's boxing on their cards. So somehow, I praise the fact that the fights are not only great, but we need those great fights so that doubters will look on TV and go like, yo, they can really fight. Of course they can fight. They're athletes. They're athletes. Really, I did Layla Ali's last fight and they never showed it on TV. They showed a, 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 a replay and then a montage and I will not mention his name, but the head of, uh, I think it was Showtime at the time, came up to me and said, well, you don't want to see a bunch of women slapping each other around. Now we have certainly come a long way since that point, but where are the other fights on the cards that are women's fights? Do we need exclusively women's cards? Or can we see you know, a card that has two or three women's fights on it in addition to a headlining fight? Those are the women we have to fight for. We have to bring up the women who are not yet stars and give them an opportunity. Uh, I asked this of all our guests, uh, and it's not an uncomfortable question, Jill, because I like you a lot, but I'm going to ask you anyway. You've lived like seven lifetimes. I mean, you've done so many cool things in your life. Uh, you can, I'm, I'm pretty sure the book is coming. If not, it's, <laughs> it's probably already done. Uh, I, I, it would be an awesome read. But uh, two-part question. Is there anything that you have done up until this point that you wish you could go back and either do again or or kind of play it out a, a different a different way and the second part of that is what is since you've been involved in your lifetime what is the most amazing thing that you've done that you wish you could just freeze the time machine and say you know what i'm going to stay here for for a few hours or a few days or a few months can, can you enlighten because you've done so many things i mean like I said, I I was looking it up. And I was like, oh my god! Like this, I was in such great presence with this person, and I just want to know: is there anything that maybe, because we all in in our own certain way, like I wish I could have announced a certain fight better or taken a different path or talked to somebody a little differently. What is the one thing that you just say? Well, I wish I would have done this differently. Well, on a practical level, and this is my advice to the things we were talking about before. When I was in music, I was given two contracts and I said, I don't need a contract. I really love what I'm doing. It's just enough that I get paid for this. Oh, wow. We all be retiring today. Yeah, it's all cool to the money get involved. <laughs> I offer that to the boxers just because you're doing what you love don't take it as a gift. You're doing it, you're being given an opportunity not only to do what you love, but to set yourself up for the rest of your life when you're not able to do what you love. So that was my biggest mistake was saying, you don't have to pay me. I really enjoy doing this. Amen, amen to that. Think. I'm a musician, that's how we think. Amen to that. Yeah, so that was my life lesson. And I didn't even realize until my husband became ill and I said, wait a minute, where's yeah. that other contract? Yeah. So that, and the most amazing thing, the most amazing thing that you wish you could just stop time and say, okay, I don't ever want to leave this place. What is that? Well, there's the personal obvious, which is for all of us who've lost people, 
um, to go back to that moment and say those words, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah. but on another level, I've had so many of those moments and I think, and I can combine the two experiences because you probably won't believe this, but I'm a very shy person. I was so shy that in school, they wouldn't even give me a note to bring to another classroom. I would like hide behind the door. Really? So at that Layla Ali fight, when I was given it to supervise that fight, I had to step in the ring in front of 25,000 people to hand her that belt. So the two experiences combined was getting up in front of 25,000 people and, and handing her that belt and then wanting to call my husband who had passed. Yeah. So it's those two experiences coming together at that moment. Um, that for me is, is one of the most emotional experiences of my life. Well, I'll tell you, he's, he's probably with you now because you are, oh you, are you are killing it right now. What you guys are doing, uh, as a matter of fact, so much so that I talked to Cece after you guys did this, uh, this, uh, uh, hope event, uh, with Fury, I said, Cece, we got to get involved in this, man. There's yeah. no way that we're going to, we don't want to just cover this stuff. I mean, we legitimately, we, we, we have to get involved in this. This is something that yes, uh, we, just, we don't want to cover and just have you on. I mean, we want to be involved somehow, some way. And we'll talk about that on another note, but we just cannot believe what you guys are doing. Uh, big shouts out to you guys. And I'll let CC with the final note before we let you go and enjoy your night. But you know, when I met you in the ring as a supervisor a few years back, I, I told CC, I'm glad you're, she was bringing you on because in those 15 or 20 minutes I had with you at the weigh-in and in the ring, you were so spectacular in your presentation and you just were full of life. And I cannot see anybody else uh, that would be able to manage so many things. You've been through so much that I know that sometimes it looks like a full plate for you, but I don't think there's any other person right now that would be able to handle this and do mm -hmm. the job that you're doing. Uh, and all we want to do is enhance and take a little bit off your plate and help you. So we'll talk about that soon. But I want to tell you, thank you very much for all that you do. We are fans first, uh, employees and gluttons of the sport second. And what you are doing, no one's ever done it before. No one has put that much effort before. And no one has taken the time to basically sacrifice your own time in life for others. And it's very, very in this sport, it doesn't exist. And when it does exist, there's a certain agenda behind it. And your agenda is just to make sure that when you leave this place, the sport is in a better place. So for that, I thank you very much. Uh, Cece, I'll leave you with the last uh, words, but um, thank you, Joe. Thank you. Simply just thank you. We appreciate thank it. You. And it's very humbling. And there are many good people, but we will call on you because we have something working on now. Uh, you'll regret that because I'm going to call on you. That's okay. You can't. We're <laughs> here. We're going now. <laughs> well, I want to know two things. Um, one is how can people support WBC Cares? Well, they can. Um, on Instagram, it's at WBC Cares. On Facebook, at WBC Cares. Or they can write me directly. Whoops. That's actually my son. So one moment. <laughs> one moment. One moment. Coming right down. <laughs> Life interferes. Uh, or they can write me directly at worldboxingcares at gmail.com. And then the last question is, you know, you talked about being in the ring with Layla Ali and that being such a grand moment. An important part of fight night is the fighter walkout. 
and you having a musical background, what would be your walkout song? Oh, good question. Good question. Uh, it's probably several. <laughs> Ain't no mountain high enough. Ah, hey, I didn't catch I'm the going, I'm yeah. going back to Motown. Ain't no mountain high. Listen. So ain't no mountain high enough. We have here to talk with Miss Jill Diamond, who wears many hats, but please check out WBC Cares. Support the effort there. It is Mental Health Awareness Month, um, but every day, check in on someone and be an ally or purpose, because sometimes your shoulder ain't all that they need. They Somebody might need actual um, real professional help um, and be the person that slides that number and make sure that it is called. So thank you so much to Jill. Hey, we're going to be talking to you again. Uh, Ralph and I are here. I'm in Vegas. Ralph is pretty much in Vegas like weekly. Uh, so um, I'm there like seven out of like eight weeks at a time. <laughs> I am there. <laughs> so go get your son he might be hungry by now so uh do what you gotta do but thank you so much for joining us today we absolutely appreciate it it's been my pleasure sincerely thank you very very much thank, thank you, you jill we love you thank you you're awesome man i just it's crazy how like this is like uh jill's like the forrest gump of boxing you know how forrest yeah. did all kinds of stuff like ping pong champion and 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 shrimp owner and apple stock <laughs> yeah. owner like i mean li literally i i'm just i was just sitting here look you start on broadway you wrote and sang for mold top you're involved in television as far as like music and sound effects department for procter and gamble and abc and disney that's ridiculous she wrote campaigns for the mccain erickson which is like you know the phone people like yeah. multi multiple time emmy award winner for compensation and production like like, I don't even, I, I just, I just, it's just, uh, See, that's there's like, so um, much going on in the background of boxing and there are so many people yeah. actually doing important things. So it's always cool. You know, when we get to talk to somebody, um, who brings a different perspective and has that kind of a background. And I hope that folks are inspired to get, get off with WBC cares and in any of the founded fundraising that's going on there. But, um, we got another guest coming in. We do so. Hold hold your, hold your ears, boys and girls. We, it's not <laughs> no It Friday. might be end, yeah, but you know, it's about. It might get wild in here. Somebody got some things to say. Go ahead That's and bring right. them out. All right. So without further ado, one of my good friends, great trainer, great overall human being, Mr. Henry Ramirez, aka Mr. Riverside Boxing. We want to welcome him in. And he's supposed to be driving right now. So let's see exactly where he's at. There he is. Where you at? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Ralph, you know how this goes. <laughs> Are you there? I'm driving back to the can you Oh, hear me? yeah, he's going back to the gym. So, yeah, we can hear you now. There it goes. There. Yeah, we got you now. So, Henry, we just want to uh, thank you for being on. We'll, we won't keep you very long because we know you got uh, a lot of things that you're working on. If, for people that don't know Henry, Henry is a huge, a huge component for youth advocate as far as boxing and coaching. He doesn't just sit there and train the Josecito Lopez's and the Chris Ariola and then say, you know what, I'm just going to stick to pros. Henry has a huge gym 
that he's always maintained full of youth boxers, uh, and he's taken them basically around the country. Uh, and it's very important. So uh, we want to thank you for spending some time. But you're on your way to to coach the kids right now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm back. I'm headed back to the gym with my amateur program. And some some of the pros come in the evening, but the majority of them come in the morning sessions. From like you know, we start at eleven, so we're done by one thirty, two o'clock. Then I come back in the evening, and we're there from five to whenever we're done. And that's with pros and the, you know, I have a team of amateurs. There's about I want to say about 15 amateurs that compete regularly right now. A couple are on the verge of turning pro, and then we have a couple of real standouts, a couple of 14, 15-year-old kids that have a really bright future and that I'm really excited about. How did the pandemic impact the pipeline to USA Boxing for your amateurs and your program? Well, it, it impacted us greatly, like many others. You know, I'm from Southern California, our last amateur event here locally was in March of 2020, and we have yet to resume as far as any competitions here in Southern California. We just competed in the USA National in Shreveport, Louisiana, and that was that had been um, rescheduled from December because of the pandemic. So that just came off in late March, and um, we took about half of our kids to compete there, and it was great just to get the kids competing again. Um, you know, they hadn't fought in a year. They got to knock out some rust and it was great. Now we're getting ready for the junior Olympics in Lubbock, Texas in July. So our kids are really excited about that. There's an amateur event coming up in Arizona. If we're able to match some of our kids there, we're going to go there. So we're, we're pretty aggressive. We, I, I, I'm big on getting our amateur kids out there. I'm very, you know, normally when things are normal, Southern California's LBC 33 is the busiest region in the United States. Schedule-wise, um, uh, participant-wise, we're the biggest region in the country. So it's been a huge void. You know, it's been a huge void. I think that's one thing people don't understand about the pipeline is that, yeah, Canelo's fighting this weekend. There's also, you know, six or seven fights on that card, but there has to be something that feeds into that. And that's all these regional shows, all of these local shows that were completely shut down because there couldn't be any live gates associated with that. Right. No, there are, there are a lot of local promoters that, that I deal with, you know, uh, Tom, well, Thompson boxing is, is local, but they're also, Thompson Boxing is what I call a local world-class promoter. There's actually a planet. They sign guys with the intent of building them. So, But, you know, promoters like uh, Roy Engelbrick there at the Hangar in Orange County, which is a great show. Um, Ed Holmes does uh, shows at uh, Montebello, Quiet Cannon, and those guys have been around for years. So, you know, they were greatly impacted. I know from the looks of it, everybody's looking to get back. It looks like maybe in July or August, you know, as, as California's restrictions ease a little bit so we're excited works i'm excited to get local club fighters going my amateurs and then of course big events like we just had last weekend now speaking of live shows we had two of the biggest heavyweight boxers in my opinion in uh in boxing history uh recent areola uh people know that yes you are not fully with chris areola but people don't don't know that you are very you're actually still very close with him he still listens to you you guys still are uh, you are part of his circle, his inner circle, and you guys uh, proved everybody wrong, man. We had a conversation, you and I, on how Chris was looking, and you said, you know, he's going to go out there and just, you know, and, and be a different person. And 
I, I thought he did very well, man. So congratulations, first of all, to you guys on that. No, no, he, he did well. You know, he, he did very well. You know, here's the thing about Chris. Look, it, it's no secret. You know, he would there, – there's training camps where he put the work in and when he didn't. But one thing that was consistent is whenever Chris did put in the work and fully commit, he always performed well. You know, and I, I had no doubt that he was going to fight well on Saturday night. Now, did he come out victorious? No, but that does not mean – he didn't fight well, you know, he fought well, had Andy hurt numerous times, and it ended up being a great fight. You know, there were so many people leading into the event where, oh, hopefully Chris don't get hurt, or he's going to get knocked out in two, three rounds, and he'll be retired, you know, but I'll tell you what, coming out of this, like I told him in the dressing room afterwards, you know, he was he was upset still. I said, Chris, you may have lost the fight, but you actually won the night, bro. You actually won the event. I go, man, everything I'm getting back is such positive feedback, and you know, and, and uh, I, I think, you know, as, as time goes by and, you know, he'll he'll start to feel better about what he did on Saturday night, you know. Yeah, he was definitely hot uh, with the scorecards and uh, let it be known. Uh, as, and the thing is, I'm like, if anybody's ever watched Chris, I mean, that's him. Like, I, wasn't, I was a little surprised that, you know, the kids were nearby. He just let it rip. But that's how he is. Did you agree with Chris's assessment on how many? rounds that he won that that card did you actually have him winning a couple more yes yes absolutely you know if you know if you want to tell andy won seven five eight to four with the extra point for a knockdown i mean that that's 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 fair but you know to say chris only won the round where he scored the knockdown in man that that's not being that's not uh giving a true indicator of how competitive the fight was you know what i mean um he was he, he had every right to be upset you know and uh, i just i just felt the fight was much closer when then the judges had a uh, had uh, had had it you know to say it was, you know that's just blatant disrespect you know that's just real disrespect but look i've been i've been on the other i've been on the other end of of close decisions where we where people thought we lost and we won i've been on the other end where I thought we won, but we lost. So you know, it, 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 I, it, I hate to say it's part of boxing because that's just the old cliche, but it really is. It, it's part of boxing. You know, judges are always going to be uh, a very controversial part of the sport. Has been. You ever world. want to meet a judge outside? Is there a certain judge you ever want to meet outside and have a different kind of conversation after you've seen their scores? Uh, look, there, there's been some fights in the. Look at. I even tell friends, I'm as brutally honest as can be. I'm, I'm, I, I believe in being honest to your fighter, right? So I always tell people, they're like, they ask me, how do you watch, how do you judge a fight? And I tell them, you, if you know the person, you got to take away any emotional attachment. You got to act like you don't know either guy in the ring and scored on the action you're seeing. Remove any emotional attachment to it. I know it's hard and it's human nature to root for someone that you like and care about, but I really, you know, even when I watch a fight on TV, you know, I, I remove any emotion who I want. I just score it, score what you're watching, regardless of if it's going the way you like it or not. Now, is there any judge that, you know, there's one judge in Vegas who I can't fucking stand. I don't know if he's a judge anymore. And, and this fight always bothered me. It was in 2006. Josecito Lopez, uh, who's no longer with us, he hasn't been with us in years, but this fight still irks me. 
he fought a one day with a protege named Wes Ferguson. Wes Ferguson, it was on the other card of Judah Mayweather. And Josecito Lopez roughed this kid up. And the kid was a good boxer, you know, highly, highly uh, touted by Mayweather at the time. And um, Josecito had roughed him up and just made him uncomfortable in the fight. And it was a good fight back and forth. But Robert Hoyle was two rounds when there's that. <laughs> I had us winning six to four, seven, three. You know, if you had it five to five, even, I guess, but he had it like eight to two. And I just thought it was the most horrendous score. I always, like when uh, we've had fights in Vegas when Ariola fought after Vegas and Josecito fought after us, fought not to have him on the judge panel. And he's never been a judge in any fight I've ever been in in Vegas again. Where do you see Chris from here? Do you see him hanging it up? Or do you see Chris uh, with this performance moving on and fighting again? Well, Ralph, you know, but what, you know, here, here's the thing I said. Most fighters are never going to go out on, on, on their own, on their own, meaning on a performance like that, Chris is not going to go out. You know, unfortunately, what I always tell people is fighters have to be forced out. They have to get their ass kicked, and then they're like, oh, okay, maybe maybe it's time. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think he's got a couple more left in him. You know, if he if he can continue to fight the way he did on um, on Saturday, then, you know, he's got a couple more left in him. But I, I think it's one of these things where you just take it a fight-by-fight fight basis. You know what I mean? Now, a lot of people were – yeah, they were pissed off because this fight was on pay-per-view. And I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of people talk out of their ass a lot, and you know it, especially on Twitter. You know they're gonna hammer, and they're gonna cause drama, whatever the hell they feel like it. But what people don't understand is that you and Chris have been with Al Heyman probably the longest, or if not the second longest, out of this whole time. You speak to Al Heyman on the phone like you and I speak on the phone. I mean, you have a direct line to the unicorn, man. Absolutely. So, I think people. One thing I think people get confused, you know, Al Al's a deeply loyal man, man. He's he's a great guy. Mm -hmm. He's always taking liking to Chris, you know. And, and Chris, uh, we signed Chris with Al Heyman way back in 2004, so way before PBC was even thought of, conceived of. I mean, when we signed Chris with Al Heyman, it was Chris, Andre Berto, uh, Jermaine Taylor, Paul Williams. Uh, who else? Vernon Forrest. There was only a handful. There was only about eight or nine guys at the time. You know, it was very, very, very select few. And you know, he started to branch out more and more and more. But yeah, yeah, it was a it was a select few back in two thousand four, two thousand five. Well, Chris is I mean, definitely I, I, a real one. <laughs> no, he's he's a real one. You know, and and people, I've seen some people laughing at you know what he said and. Other people are like, oh, how could he speak in front of his son? His son hears it all the time, man. It is, you know. <laughs> Look, I heard something that Mata said the other day, and I couldn't say anything because I know where she got it from. So, <laughs> well, I, I do have to say one thing. I do have to say one thing before I let Cece uh, finish up. She can get back to, to the kids and get into the gym, but. 
I think regardless uh, of what has gone down, I think Chris has been uh, somewhat of a hero to his culture and not just to the Hispanic fans. I think just in, in, in all around, I mean, Chris, yes, there has been some times where we knew that he didn't train uh, as much as he could. Uh, CC, we did a documentary about uh, seven years ago on Chris and I got to know him as a person. I got to know Henry as a person. Uh, they don't put up with shit, man. They don't. They don't take shit, and they just. It is how it is. Either you like that kind of, of person or you don't. You're never gonna get any bullshit from either one of them. And I think that's what what people have taken to, and that's why they like you guys. Is that hey, you're gonna have an interview. You're gonna cuss. You're gonna talk shit. And if you don't like it, go to hell. Ralph, always been with you, guys. You had some. You had some. Uh... Chris, that was you know most people don't get right <laughs> there were times you would call me like like almost scratching your head like dude what the hell goes on don't take it too personal bro just trust me don't 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 let it get you wound up bro it's chris you know and then we have <laughs> they would say, hey bro it's chris like don't don't get all wound up you know no i i i i'd uh i'd call henry i'd be like Henry, fuck, I don't even know if we can put this on the documentary, Doc. Henry's like, nah, hell no. Put everything in there. Everybody needs to see this shit. I've been dealing with this for fucking 15 years. Everybody needs to put up with this shit. So, I just want to say, man, that th thank you for all that you do. A lot of people don't know about your amateur program. A lot of people don't know about a lot of the pros that you have coming up that are badass. And uh, you've got some 14 or 15-year-olds, man, that I've kept an eye on for the last few years that are going to be complete bangers. And they'll no doubt be future world champs, especially Pow Pow, man. I got to see that kid uh, very, very soon. You see, this kid that he has, man, talk shit. He'd probably smoke and drink if Henry let him. Uh, uh, he's a little Filipino kid. He's 14 years old. I've had him since he was nine. Um, I think he's ranked number five in the country right now in the 15 and 16-year-old division. Mm -hmm. He don't turn 15 till later on this year. Um He's got a big personality, a really talented kid, man. He's got a real shot. He's got a real you shot. Know, his nickname is Pow Pow, so shoot. Pow, like, yeah. definitely, <laughs> definitely got a shot. What is the hardest conversation you've had to have with a fighter? Um, that's a great question. You know, that that's a really good question. You know, I've had, I, you know what? I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story. And this is like a six round fighter, right? And, um, this is a couple of years ago. You know, he he actually quit on the stool in a fight. Oh. All right, we're going to have to have you come back. Run that back. Run that back because we lost you for a second. Oh, no. Can I think you hit mute. <clears throat> Did you hit mute? Come out and come back in. All right, he's gonna come back. There it is. You there? No. Come oh. out and come back in. Go all the way out and then come back in. Maybe he hit mute. Well, it didn't look like he pressed anything. No. No. Wait. Can I? Can I take him out? Maybe. Jeremy, can you take him out? <clears throat> take him out and then Henry, come back in. After you take him out, we gotta get this last story before we let him go. Listen, this documentary, I got it. It's fire. Like, it's fire. And, and, and you know what? And I, well, I told the director, let's put it out anyways when he fought Bermain Stavern. 
and, and he had a good chance of winning the heavyweight championship. He didn't succeed, but and and the director kept it. But man, like you really get to know Chris Ariola. And I had a lot of respect after I spent a week in his house. I mean, the dude is like us, man. You know, has mother in law he fights <laughs> with, you know. Fighting, you know, the kids around stuff like you know, like just normal shit. That any, any Why are you with the mother-in-law? Oh no! Oh yeah, I mean Latinos and mother-in-law. You know, we it's a special bond. It's a love-hate relationship. Because she's in the house most of the time. Like it's the mother-in-law that's actually oh. like setting the rules. <laughs> oh, the mother-in-law's the one cooking and doing all kinds of cool stuff and and, and you know stuff like that. But uh, if we don't get Henry back on, we'll just thank him for anything he's done. We'll we'll if he gets back on. Uh, that'd be great. Now I'll just send him a quick text message real quick. But yeah, I mean, listen, Ariola looked in really good shape. Uh, he surprised and, the hell out of me. I, I'd say that, like, because he hadn't been like in the ring in what, like, two years. I yeah, and my, I'll tell you, my fight party at the restaurant. I was looking at the odds real quick, and I was like, man, like, one of my friends, you know, is a big gambler. He's like, man, you just put like a hundred bucks, man, you'll come up. And I'm like, listen, like. I got to see what's going on first, man. Right. Chris looked really good. And then when he knocked him down the second round, I'm like, okay, is this is this Chris looking good or is this Andy just being Andy? Because Andy, you know, he's been getting knocked down. There he is. All right. All right. So, so a couple years back, we had a guy. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. We had a guy quit on the stool in the corner, right? And I just never seen that fighting spirit in him, right? And, um, and uh, so we get to the dressing room and he's kind of dejected. And I and I honestly like told him, and, it, and I told him in front of his girlfriend. It wasn't my intention, but I just told him, "Look, man, you know I don't I don't think this is for you. You know I don't think this is for you, and um, I'd hate to see you get hurt. You know, and I just don't think, you know, I don't think this is for you. And this is something you should consider. You know, not fighting anymore in front of his lady." In front of his lady, but that was not my intention with them. But she came to me yeah. later on and said, "You know, Henry, I seen a different side of you. Like not shit talking. You're being sincere, and there was some real sincerity I'd never seen in you before. And I actually agree with you. But the way you told him, you were being gentle too. Like you weren't being. I'm not. I mean, the guy had just lost a fight, you know. So I was just trying to relay a message, like, look, bro, it's not worth you getting hurt. It's not like you're making life changing money. You know, he's only six round fighter, and the guy never fought again." Well, there is a there is a gentle side to Andrew Ramirez. It's there. I've seen it very rarely, but it's there. And we appreciate we appreciate both sides, of you man. I'll let CC close it out. But again, I want to thank you again, man, for not only being there for for everybody when they ask you to do interviews, man. Whether it's Ellie or whether it's some kid off the street with a YouTube camera, you always do interviews. You never uh, shine people off. You never ignore them. You never talk bad about them. It, it, you never do that, man. And and I think it's a it's a it's a miss. It's, I'm big on it. It's always about the fighter. You know, trainers are part of the trainers, manager are part of the game and part of the personalities. But you you showed up to the gym and you know, you you heard we were training in Arizona and you know, what, what did you see? Just two regular guys, you know. Well, I went because they're like, damn, Chris looks good. He's already lost like 15 pounds. Like, bullshit. I want to see it for myself. <laughs> I walked in there and I went to lunch with them an hour later. So that just yeah, goes to you what kind of people these guys are. Well, and they've been friends my whole life. So uh, I'll let you finish it out, man. CC, thank you very much, Henry, for joining us, bro. You guys did an excellent job. And uh, and if he does fight again, which is going to be uh, uh, a treat, 
uh, you know, we always wish you guys the best of luck, man. And, and for, for you, hopefully, hopefully I'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks. If we get some yes. matched up, I'll be in Arizona. All right, we're gonna take you to that right. chow hall again, the, the right. mess hall. CC. Look, I got a real serious question because you came on here work. with the hat and everything. What's up with your Dodgers, man? This skin is man. like. <laughs> I look at they're finding, they're finding every way to lose a close game. It's getting frustrating. Yeah, it's early, but it's still frustrating as a fan. I mean, even last night, you know, I I always wanted to spit out my beer watching the damn game. Hey, that, that runner on second is bullshit. It like really is bullshit. I'm not a fan of far either, but what can you do? Look, I, I grew know. up and I still got in my bones rooting for what I call the East Coast Dodgers, or y'all are the West Coast Yankees, like one way or another. So my team is not doing much better either. So, yeah, the baseball, um, uh, here we yeah. go. Look, let me tell you something. The 27th championship is the hardest one to win, so – Whatever. <laughs> yeah, when you when you got hey, I'm talking to the two people that have the biggest payrolls in baseball history, the Dodgers and the Yankees. Get it ain't out of tricking here. if you got it. It ain't tricking right, if you got it. Right to that doorway is the dungeon. All right, man. Ah, Thank you. you. Appreciate it, bro. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks Thank you, man. Me. Appreciate you coming Thanks, on. Henry. Thank you. Right. See you later. Take care. Bye now. Uh he's a he's an awesome, awesome friend, uh, awesome individual. Uh, you know, he and Chris, they just, you know, there's a lot of peer pressure, man, when, you, when you've been with somebody for a long time. And then, like, and let's be real, uh, when you're a trainer, you can only do so much to enforce what you need to enforce. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that, I think that for Chris's last fight, the fact that he didn't want to get embarrassed and the fact that this kid always looked up to him. And just like Chris said, now the tables are returned are reverse and now I'm looking up to Andy. He had no choice but to come into shape. He had no choice but to show up and make sure he went out on his shield and fight like a warrior. And I just hope that every fight stays like that until he's done because man. Yeah, he looked like, like you know, a contender. He didn't just look like a warrior. He looked like somebody that need to be in a conversation. Ain't that many heavyweights that actually can contend right now. It's crazy because um, he used to come out and fight like those old sixth grade fights you see in the playland when they just like nonstop. He actually was hitting, backing up, defense. So, you know, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe, you know, Joe Goosen uh, showed him a couple of things that, that maybe Henry showed him and went in one ear and out the other. They've been friends for such a long time. You just never know. Maybe change was, was okay there. But Henry's still part of the circle. Uh, and um, He was in the I corner, too. He was still there. Yeah, he was, he was there. He's in, he's in the corner. I mean, he listens to – to uh to to Henry Steele and they talk and they go over game plan and you know he just uh I just think that when you're a trainer like that and you go back and you still give back to the kids every single day when you have plenty of pros that you don't have to do that. Some trainers they kind of shine off of being uh you know around the kids after they made it, you know, uh and that's one guy that has not. And I'm we're actually gonna bring him out to a tournament on the 22nd. I'm gonna be uh, doing some play by play on his fighters and Powell's coming. So, oh, that kid's awesome. He's is awesome. Is he 15? Yeah, he's, he's not 15 he's yet. Not he's 14, 14 fighting 15. with the 15. Yeah, he's fighting up. But, but real quick before we let you go, I mean, some uh, shenanigans and fiasco happened in Miami. Uh, Mayweather and in Texas, Texas, too. We had and like and you know, Texas. we've got. You know, um, li listen, I I'll make a comment on both, and then you can chime in. Uh, and if Jeremy wants to come in and, and chime in before we before we head out, 
it'd be good. I actually liked our, when he came in last week, I was actually kind of cool for the last, like, you know, bring in the closer kind of thing uh, for the last couple of minutes. Look, the Billy Joe Saunders uh, Canelo thing. Um, look, Saunders is going to move around as much as he can. He's going to pot shot. He's going to box. He needs the extra space. If they did agree on two feet, believe it or not, for some people, it doesn't make a difference. But for him, it does make a big difference. Uh, and I'm telling you right now, uh, it's all brain games. They He didn't show up to the the first uh, the first uh, stare down. He said he was playing with his balls. He was busy. You know, like, I mean, you can't help but to laugh. But Canelo's probably like, man, the hell with this dude. Like, who does he think he is? You know, and then they're throwing the, you know, you like the Mexican beef, the juicy beef. You know, they're just trying to get into his head. And then you got Tyson Fury chiming in on the whole thing, too. So you I, get both of these gypsy yeah. fools. You, know? <laughs> I mean, you, you kind of have to because no one ever does that to him. Canelo has not been a saint. He's been busted multiple times uh, for having foreign substances in his body. And yet no one has really uh, made it a point to talk shit to him about it, like at this level. So... I don't know if it's gonna work because Canelo's a bad man. Um, but you know, walking around in Versace robes at the at the hotel and <laughs> my friend just threw in, he's like, dude, he's like, there's no hotels by the stadium. I said, Yeah, I told you you should have stayed at the hotel that the fighters are staying in. I said, Go in there and I guarantee you you'll uh I guarantee you you'll find a, a picture with Tyson Fury because the dude is a character. Everywhere. He literally got there 90 minutes ago, and the man just sent me a um a message that Tyson Fury was walking around the parking lot, giving everybody high fives, and, like, and, and 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 this is the the, the culmination of it. They this not is in just a Literally twenty minutes ago, so it's a spectacle, man. It's a spectacle, and I think that's what boxing needs is yeah. shit talking and Versace suits, and you know why not, man? Playing with your balls. Wait I mean, a second, they're not in a bubble. They don't have the fighters and entourage like. In like they uh texas is the only state well, right texas now is one thing but i thought like the wbc like uh, you know hey smoke them if yeah. you got them right <laughs> and then um and then uh just before we got on the air uh and jeremy can speak on both of these when, when, when we're done so mayweather promotion sets up this impromptu press conference i thought leonard Alby was going to get up there you know and introduce both fighters introduce chad ultracinco Immediately, the turns to a shit talking fest with uh, Jake uh, Logan Paul talking about uh, Floyd and what he's done to his baby's mom and the fact that he can't read. I mean, he just tried every trick in the book, uh, but it's already been done before. And Conor McGregor is the master of it. I mean, to get away with calling somebody boy and not having a melee break out, I mean, that's pretty much getting to the extreme. Um, so he told the brothers, Hey, I'll fight both of you at the same night. Uh, so Jake went over to Floyd after he was done with his brother said, Hey, I'll, you want to fight both of us? Let's make it happen. Floyd's like, yes. Jake, uh, fucking takes Floyd's hat, starts running. All of a sudden there's a bunch of melee. How stupid is that? I got your hat. Bunch is thrown and it's a melee. So. WWE, you can call it whatever, you can call it scripted, but Floyd, I've never heard him so mad before, and uh, either one of those Pauls are going to get it. They both can get it, one can get it, 
It's going to be pretty live on June 6th. And Port Ocho Cinco didn't even get announced. Port Jeremy, <laughs> you would know these terms. Is it a work or is it a shoot? A work. Uh, a, a shoot is when it really happens, when they, they go off script. A work is when it's a work. You've been worked, right? So that's that's when it's scripted. But, uh, you know. Which one do you think it was? Uh, you know, I I think it was a little bit of both. And, and there is a term for that in, in, in pro wrestling called a work shoot. <laughs> 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 uh, that they often, uh, famous work shoots were uh, a few years ago, uh, somebody you might know in CM Punk, who would later fight UFC, uh, he went on stage and, and said a bunch of very personal things about Vince McMahon and his daughter Stephanie and her, her real-life husband, Triple H, and uh you know kind of you know did some things like that but it you know it, it was so real because it included real things that it was it was hard to not take as a real moment right but it, it might be one of those things where they agreed to, to certain things but if you in any fight community if you reach out and you touch someone all bets are off and you know floyd might know it's a work and the paul brothers might know it's a work but I guarantee you the the uh, the, uh, the 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 brute strength that's brought in there, the security guards, they don't know. The cops don't know. The cop was screaming in the background that he was about to arrest everybody <laughs> and everything. So, you know, but it it you know, you like you said, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather wrote the script. You know, it that's how you do it. The less you know about boxing, the more you need to play it up. You need to have the the, the obscene calls and, and talks about people's wives and mothers and everything. And there used to be a point with real boxers where you don't do that. Okay. Right. Because you're going to get in there and you're really going to get punched in the face. And back in the day, I mean, hell, how many Mike Tyson fights did you go to where that man was legitimately insane and would kill you? Yeah. You're not so doing you that to do Mike that Tyson. Kind of but <laughs> these days to sell a fight, especially sell a fight where one side is 100% out of their depth, this is what you have to do, you know. So it's entertainment, and we decided. I'm gonna, to make, I'm, I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a call right now. I'm gonna make a call right now. There was rumors about him fighting both brothers on the same night originally, not from the promotional house, just from people around the circle, around the circles, friends, cousins, tias, tios, grandpas, whatever, and it trickled down. If Floyd fights both brothers on the same night, like they were talking shit about two hours ago. It'll rank in the top five all-time pay-per-view. How do you do that? Like, how does that even happen? Like, like, is it a tag team thing? Like, do we really have WWE? Like, well, <laughs> you already have Floyd, and Floyd already owns so many pay-per-view records and everything, and he remains the biggest draw in boxing, even at forty-four years old, and you know, being years removed from actual competition and everything, he's still the biggest draw. Uh, so you can have that and. To do it on the same night, something that's never been done before, even if it is exhibition, even if it is a play and everything, other people don't care. It's entertainment. Two rounds for this fool and two rounds for that fool. Yeah, you do, you do, you do six, six and six, and it may not even last it. I mean, look, Floyd, look, Floyd, he's letting his hair grow out. That's that's my boss. I'm gonna be honest with you. I never. It looks different. It looks different. You know, they were talking about fake hairline, this and this and that, whatever. Fine. But he got the full beard, though. When you don't got the fade going and someone pulls your hat off, 
Hey, you can't you can't be showing what's underneath that bullshit. You got you got you can't be showing it. So yeah, look, I mean he he's that was the most upset I've ever seen him. I've only seen him upset like that one other time, uh, to where he was cursing like that and the tone that came out. Maybe it was a work for a little bit until he touched his hat and then he okay. really got personal and then it got you know it got real serious. But nonetheless, I'm gonna be right there, God willing, and that's gonna be exciting. I'm excited. Well, Jeremy for has heard this story before, but like, you know, for a couple of years in my early life, we lived in the projects and there were some badass kids who would go behind you know, one of the buildings and you would play knock my mama off the shoulder. And if somebody knocked your mom, which was a stick, knocked your mama off of your shoulder, you had to fight. And that's I went back to that like moment as a five year old, like, oh, shit, he knocked his mama off his shoulder. They got to fight now. <laughs> It's like, you yeah. can't be touching people's heads. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Jake, if you do maybe five or six rounds and six rounds and Floyd takes them both out, they break the pay-per-view record. They all make a hundred, $200 million. Shit. That's a good night for them. Yeah, I don't think it's 12 rounds. I think it might be eight. Could be four and four. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> they ain't going to last that long. One of, one of those boys going to get hurt. I think it's going to be. Probably Logan, because Logan is really the one that I mean. Jake's getting better, to be honest with you. Yeah. Jake, Jake's looking all right. Uh, and it's Logan, the one that I worry about, because that fool. Yeah. I mean, but he is bigger though. But it don't matter. It don't. It don't mean anything. Um, Who's the biggest person Floyd has fought? Who's the tallest? Do we even know? Like the tallest. tallest? I mean, it could be this kid. Yeah, Floyd's the tallest. I mean, because like you know, when they're crafting a career, like you're not gonna match him with somebody that tall. And plus, you know, the welterweights don't tend to be that big, but he, he might be like definitely the heaviest because, you know, yeah. they ain't really no contract. He can't weigh more than 160 and Logan can't weigh more than 190. So they want that 30 pound difference for sure. I don't know where Jake's at right now. It looks like he's been kind of easing off the training a little bit. It looked a little. Yeah. I had to Google yeah. this. I had to Google it, but they're saying uh, the tallest as far as just tall, uh, would be probably either Oscar De La Hoya or Diego Corrales, who were both about oh, that's five right. and a half. Yeah. Diego yeah. Corrales. And he fought some awkward people, Manuel Gus, all these weird guys that he fought. I mean, look, I, I don't think it's going to be any more competition. I just think that they're, they're going to add a twist to it maybe, and if he wants to fight both on the same night, he can do it. And and I think if they do that, they break records. Period. We'll see. No, no, people people want to see Ocho Cinco, don't you know? Don't, don't you know? Oh, Ocho, look, he lost 50 rats on that Kamara Usman uh Jorge Masvidal fight, so he's gonna have to like put some money back in the bank. I tell you, I, I think I clicked on the wrong thing, and so uh, his actual tallest opponent was Tony Pep, who was six foot one. He beat him hmm. in his 17th fight. Hmm. Tony Pep, yeah. They got a unanimous uh, decision over him, and Tony Pepper nice. six one. So I don't, I don't think the height's going to bother him, man. I think uh, the emotion is, and you know, and the crazy thing about fighters, uh, and I've heard it from a lot of MMA guys, uh, is that when you have a fighter who is not as well trained, it can actually make for a harder fight. Yeah, it's going to be harder. They're going to be wild swinging, and you know, you're trained for a guy who. You know, faints this way and comes in with the jab or something like that. And if you got a guy who's just in there swinging, you know, 
one punch can change anything, and if they're coming from whatever direction, it can, you know. But this is Floyd Mayweather. I mean, that ain't gonna happen. But <laughs> there's, there's always that, you know. We always, hey, leading up to the Conor McGregor fight, we're like, hey, what if he forgets himself and just kicks the guy <laughs> inside the head, you know? So, <laughs> oh wait, what's the over under uh, ten rounds? Okay, I'll go ahead and end in ten. Yeah. So, You're right. Uh, so uh, on another note, I owe you guys both lunch because I told you that my, my Cardinals were going to have a really, really good draft. And I don't know what the hell we were doing. Uh, we were drafting like we ain't got no other linebackers uh, in, on our roster, drafting fucking three of them uh, in the se seven picks. or We didn't even have seven picks. Like I don't even know what the hell was going on. Your Raiders had four picks in the first 80. Uh, the offensive lineman, Alex Leatherwood, that dude's a beast. That's really going to help uh, pour a little car out from running for his, for his life. Uh, and uh, I heard you guys are trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers, man. So we'll see how that works out as well. I don't think that'll happen, but uh, wishful thinking. But, yeah, I owe you guys lunch or beer or something because we suck. We got – I give us hey, a, D, a D. The Raiders drafted three safeties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you got I mean, you got Nate Hobbs, right? Uh, you got uh, – Trevon Mooring is pretty good. Yeah, what no, happened I mean, to the kid that uh, Xander was talking about? Uh, did he get drafted? Oh, Caleb oh. Farley. D-back, yeah. He, yeah, he got drafted, but I forget who who drafted him. So he did. Was it the Titans? No. Yeah, the yeah. Titans got him. Or the Titans got him. The Titans got him. Yeah. 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 So actually, uh, I got we got a lot of uh, a lot of good feedback on on Xander. We're gonna have to have him on again. That guy was pretty awesome. What Jeremy, what do you think about what do you think about Jill, man? She's a pretty awesome individual. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, listening backstage and everything, uh, talking about an incredible career, and then uh, the the next step, you know, her taking on this WBC cares and everything that it means and could mean and should mean to to boxers and especially you know that it's so dangerous and we've seen so many stories with uh fighters who lose everything by the end of it through either poor investments or just being around the leeches and uh you know the, these guys i mean you, you even have a guy who's still in the news now uh, like evander holyfield who made 300 400 million dollars in his career and, and you know bought a mansion with 64 bathrooms in it, you know, all these things, and then had to sell it for nothing. Uh, you yep. know, and Rick Ross owns it now, Ricky Rose. Yeah, that's Rick Ross has it, you know, but uh, you know, it's crazy like that. So, to you know, set that up and then set up uh, something for you know, mental health and, and things, you know, that's it's admirable and it's a thankless job, and it's uh, it's amazing what they're they're at least attempting to do, yeah. yeah. Well, I think you know, this is I a, we broke the record. We broke the record, CC, for longest uh, longest stream on our tenure. <laughs> Doing a whole ninety minutes. That was awesome. Henry's a trip, man. Uh, I think we'll see Chris again just to kind of on my end. I mean, it's he's can't miss TV anyway. The people that were bitching about the pay per view, all they were doing was raving about the fight afterwards. I had reporters that were crying about the pay per view, and then what a spectacular fight! Two tweets later, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Come on, whatever. Or I happened to catch it over somebody's shoulder who was watching it uh, in the uh, UFC tent there, or UFC room, not anymore. But and, I was uh, like, Corey, "What?" Like I said, no. Andy go down. We we're like, "Oh!" Yeah, everybody was on. At the, I just couldn't believe it. 
and then you were over there with your little red Corvette again. Uh, I tell you, your pictures <laughs> are breaking the internet. You better take it hey. easy over there. Hey. Oh, speaking of red, get some for you. Yes. I'm coming back outside. Second, or third one? second first or third? one. First one. First one. Got that? I got that P Funk, uh, the Pfizer COVID vaccine. Oh, fine. My arm is a little sore, but it honestly like doesn't feel as bad as like a workout. Like it's yeah. you know a little sore. The kids Jeremy? are actually. Has Jeremy been vaccinated yet? Has Jeremy been vaccinated yet? Oh. No, I have my appointment. Uh, I got an appointment for next week, actually. My son okay, got his first uh, dose today. So Good. Oh, good. Hey. Yeah, we're about hey. to come back outside. I'm getting my hey. hair did. Right. <laughs> so uh, good news on that front. Just can't wait to see things opening up, you know, as people continue to get vaccinated. That's the only way we're going to do it. You know, can say whatever you want, Issy. Only way we're gonna do it if motherfuckers go ahead and get the Fauci out. You have to, you have to, you have to, because otherwise these variants, man. It, what's gonna happen is, look, the, these shots are not gonna last a lifetime. What's gonna happen is, if people don't get that shit, these variants are gonna still linger around, and we have a chance of getting it again. I don't want to, you know. I want to be able to hang out with everybody, man. And it's the same yeah. people talking shit are the ones gonna get sick, and they're gonna be bitching and crying because they can't breathe. Go get that well, shot. They're going to start to shut things down again, and that's what you just do not want. You just can't Absolutely. have it. So with that, have a good rest of the week, y'all. Really, really uh, had an honor to have Jill Diamond. A lot of fun to have Henry uh, Ramirez, too. Join us next week. We're going to have some more stuff for you. Oh, yeah. Peace. Thanks. Thanks.